Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Unfortunately, I'm here today to confirm the passing of blues legend Bobby Plager. As Bobby would fondly say, he's number five in your program, but number one in your hearts. That holds true today and forever, as Bobby truly is the St. Louis Blues. Well, it's very special. The the Blue Note has been very special, and we've always said it's not the name in the back, it's the Blue Note on the front, so that's what you play for. And I told all the fellas here, the only thing missing with this blue note is a parade down Market Street, so please bring me one. Five seconds to go, and the time winds down. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. But this year... I got my parade, and it was a heck of a parade. Thank you, St. Louis. You're the greatest fan. Passing of a St. Louis icon, Bobby Plager, at the age of 78. 615 games played with the Blues. Team record until Gary Unger passed him in 1979. 762 career penalty minutes, still 10th in franchise history as he helped the Blues go to three straight Stanley Cups. He played in St. Louis, obviously, with his brothers Barkley and Billy. But it was his post-playing career that so many people are talking about today, those that did not wear the blue note, and what he meant to sports in our town, what he meant to the St. Louis Blues franchise. He joined the Blues front office after retiring as a player. 11 games, that was it, as the Blues head coach in 1992, an ambassador And that doesn't do it justice, what he meant to hockey fans and so many people and sports fans in this town. It's the Danny Mac Show on a somber uh, Thursday morning as we take you until 11. And it'll be BK and Alex Ferrario. Welcome into the show. We we welcome in your text to... Uh, your stories, your thoughts, your memories. Uh, Bob Plager, 65780. We're going to visit with Reed Lowe, former Blue, is coming up later in the show. We will talk a little baseball with Rick Horton. That's coming up next. We're going to go down to Jupiter, Florida. But uh, good morning, BK, on what is a sad day for St. Louis sports fans. Um, but it's been remarkable. I mean, I've spent the last three hours listening to you with um, Carriker and Smallman. And, I mean, some of the stories that people have. I mean, not just... So- the stories that people have because everybody has a Bob Plager story. And that's what's uh, stood out to me the most over the last close 24 hours now, Dan, of listening to people remember the unbelievable life of Bob Plager is the way he lived, man. He didn't get shorted by a single day. I mean, this man, every day of his life, if he came across you it was as if you were the single most important thing that he had to do that day was making sure that your interactions with him were the greatest thing that you could possibly ask for. And Dan, we could, we can all learn a lot from Bob Plager because we get busy, right? We get, there's stuff that comes into our life where it's like, I, I've got X, Y, and Z that I need to get to. And I need to get to place uh, Z right now. And we get in a rush and in a hurry and we can be a little coarse with our interactions. 
Bobby Player was never that way. You know, every single person that you come in contact with, I've been texting a lot of friends that are that are from this area. All of them, all of them, Dan, have a Bob Plager story. It's unbelievable. You would think that this man lived seven lives with the way that he touched so many people here in St. Louis. And so it is an incredible, incredibly sad day. But also the fact that we are able to remember such a special man makes it a little more heartwarming, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I've said this uh, a few times this morning doing the morning shows on uh, Thursdays and Fridays with Carriker and Smallman. I, I said it this morning, and I'll say it again for those that didn't hear it. The, the thing that I took away from hearing some of the sound bites and the various things that we've been talking about is that he was the ultimate blue, and that is not overstating it. And what I mean by that is if you listen to when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, and there were multiple media outlets trying to get everything they can, everybody's reaction down on the ice in Boston. And with every one of those, and then again with John Kelly on the main stage at the Blues Parade, um, he said, I am so thankful to the Blues organization. I am so thankful, I'm paraphrasing, I'm so thankful to the players for bringing us a Stanley Cup. I am most happiest for the fans. The fans deserve this. Everything was about the fans and it's a very famous quote for him and it, it's about the crest on the jersey is more important than the nameplate on the on the back and I remember talking with Bobby and I, I did BK blues hockey for many many years so I watched the interview that you did yesterday with Bobby yeah with Bob and Bobby would come down uh between periods many times and to kind of set the visual scene of this you got the blues dressing room down the hall is the visitors and at enterprise center there were some smaller dressing rooms that we would make into a studio just about every game he would hop in and we would talk and whether that would be about the game going on what's going on in my life him cracking jokes which was every single time but he had a way of just settling people and this is a franchise for young fans that are out there right now what you are enjoying of St. Louis Blues hockey is not the way that it was. Uh, there was a lot of unsettling times. So if you grew up in this town, you understand that they almost moved to Saskatoon. You understand that they went an entire season without a draft. Now think about that. They went an entire off season, did not have a draft. There was always the question mark of ownership changes. There were the Mike Keenan years where some of your favorite players were coming and going. It was tumultuous. Um, but through it all was Bob Plager. And Bob Plager was at every potential event you could imagine. There may maybe be somebody from the football Cardinals there and the St. Louis Cardinals. And Oh, by the way, the Blues are represented by, there he is, there's Bob Plager. And that was until the day that he passed yesterday. What was he going down to do? He was going to down to do something for the Blues with, ironically enough, the dog Barkley. So, you know, you think about what he has meant when you are a fan and you're fully invested in a team and they go through these ups and downs and people say, God, I just, I, I don't know if I want to support this team or whatever. He was always there to sell St. Louis Blues hockey. He is a vital, important piece as to why you see that place packed down there every single night when it is allowed to be packed because people were touched by Bob Plager. Now, winning is going to do that. Don't get me wrong. And your favorite player on the ice, whoever that may be, that's going to bring you down there. But there are a lot of people that said, man, that guy was great to my kids. He was great to me when I was a kid. He signed an autograph, bought me a beer, put his arm around me, took a picture. If you're on social media, there are countless pictures of Bob Plager. Uh, everybody with, has one. Everybody's got one with the little smiley face because he always put a little smiley face on it. 
That's what he meant to so many people here in St. Louis. So it's not only a loss for Blues fans, but it's a loss for our community and for the sports fans out there. And it's a it's a huge loss. And there will never be someone like Bob Plager who was an original Blue. He was the through line from the moment that the franchise came into existence to where it is today and everything in between. Bob Plager was the through line. He was the one that while you were talking about, Dan, the ups and the downs and everything in between, he was the constant. And when you look at what the Blues are today and the fan base that they have cultivated, and not just the fan base, but now the hockey town that the St. Louis Blues have cultivated. I mean, you look around this area, Dan, Centene Community Ice Center is a beacon. It is a bastion of hockey. Like that that place is huge. It is significant for St. Louis. And the fact that you are now seeing um, the lower levels of hockey, the youth levels of hockey here in St. Louis exploding. We're seeing NHL players left and right every year that are coming into the league that are from here. That's right. Bob Plager was a part of that. That oh, is a, a part, part of his legacy here in St. Louis. And so it's it is the blues. It is what he did as a player, the brief period that he had as a coach. It is what he did as a scout. And I heard Jamie telling us yesterday his story of Bob Plager telling him, welcome to the family. He did that with countless players over the years. He was one of the guys that said, hey, you need to go get Brett Hull. Um, I mean, it's just the things that he has seen in this organization. It's all of that, but it is also what he meant to the community off of the ice and away from the Blues as well. It's everything that the man was. Not only Mr. St. Louis Blue, but in a lot of ways, Mr. St. Louis. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about the tumultuous times, I, I remember being at various uh, charitable events around town. And he might not be the big marquee guy, right? You, you might have pick your, you know, number one sports figure at that time in whatever sport that may be. And it could be football, could be uh, Cardinal Baseball. But I'm telling you what, everybody was circling around Bob Plager. And there are athletes, as you all know, BK, that that don't really want that. Some some guys oh, yeah. just, just don't want that. He not only wanted it, he encouraged it. So, for instance, here's a, a text of uh, 636. Uh, Bob Plager was my idol as a child growing up watching the Blues. I once got the chance to meet him several years ago, pulled out two pieces of 3 by 5 notebook paper for autographs for my sons. He looked at the pieces of paper, snickered, and said, come over here to his car. Grabbed two 5 by 7 photos out of the back seat of the car, autographed them both for my boys. Happened to walk into my son's room yesterday and saw that picture hanging on his wall, and it was all because of Bob Plager. There are stories like that, thousands, not hundreds, thousands of stories like that. And then I, I think about what he meant to some of our favorite blues, Kelly Chase, a Tony Twist, the guys that he coached in Peoria, many made it on to the National Hockey League. And uh, we had Tony Twist on this morning who was very, very emotional. And he said, Bob always had a way of explaining the game or uh, making it simple for us to understand we are a team. We do things as a team. We pull for each other. That's Bob Plager, man, in a nutshell. And he is going to be really, really missed. There's another story, Dan. Uh, so Greg Wyshynski tweeted out yesterday um, th- about the news and he told a story about the Ryan O'Reilly, right? I, I need the parade. And he told that's to Ryan O'Reilly. And that was what Greg Wyshynski tweeted out. And somebody from St. Louis, a gentleman by the name of uh, Tommy Hummel, tweeted back to him. He said, my cousin won an auction where we got to sit in the Blues press box for a game. The security took our beers. Plager walks by and says, hey, why aren't you guys drinking? We tell him and he says, hold on. 
comes back with two cold ones for us. He said, anybody that gives you trouble from here on out, you just tell them that Bobby said it was okay. <laughs> that's Bob Plager. That's Bob Plager, right? Like that's that that is and the thing that makes this so special, Dan, is that that's not unique. Like that story in and of itself, it is one story, but there are thousands of them scattered across St. Louis. So for, I guess, well over a decade, I was doing blues hockey and at home games, I would do the intermission. And then a lot of times I'd go upstairs to the the press box or whatever I'd be doing. And many times I'd maybe go into the blues alumni suite uh, and you don't know who you'd run into on various nights. I mean, you're getting the biggest names in the sport. Yeah, it might be Brett Hall there one night. And there's some fans because a lot of times Blues alumni will uh, auction off, hey, have a couple tickets, come on up to the alumni box. But you don't know who's going to be there. So it might be Chris Pronger, Brett Hall, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I'm serious. I yeah. mean, you, you could have some of the biggest names in the sport. And not that they were, you know, not nice to people. Of course they were nice to people. But Bob would take a a, a a stance of, hey, come on over here and sit down. Let's have a beer. What's what's going on in your life? How you doing? Let's talk. What do you see on the ice? You know, here's a joke I have for you. And again, it's not to disrespect the other players. I'm not saying that. But he went above and beyond what he had to do. He made or, the fan feel like they were the superstar as opposed to the other way around, which is, and again, that is not to demean anybody else. It is a special kind of instinct, a special kind of characteristic that, that Bobby Plager had. And so what I'm trying to put in perspective here is that the, the franchise with the 50 plus years really did have a lot of ups. And I mean, when I'm talking downs, I'm talking like, Hey, they're, they're gone. They're out the door. They're going to leave St. Louis and some great ups, but always fell short. It was heartache. And through this all was Bob Plager. And through it all was Bob Plager selling hockey here in St. Louis. So to your point, kids become fans of the sport. Now they start to play. Now they're in the NHL. He always sold St. Louis blues hockey. I mean, you think about it as a fan and you pick your favorite player and you get a chance to go up and ask him for that autograph or that picture or just that one minute. And he gives you five and it turns into an hour. That is something you'll never, ever forget. And that makes you, as a fan, at least it would with me, uh, with my kids. I know Bob Plager did that. My kids met Bob Plager. But I know, in generally speaking, that that makes me say, you know what? I like those blues. I like that I like that franchise. I like what these guys are doing. Yeah, I didn't like that trade of this guy. And I, uh, there's some heartache. But, man, I'm, I'm going to go buy some tickets because I love that guy. He He's telling me that the blues are going to be okay. If Bobby's telling me that, then... You know what? I'm 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 in. I'm going down there. Who knows how many tickets this guy sold for blues hockey throughout the years? Incredible. Because he was the personification of the no. That's that, right. That's that's what he was. And so yesterday with his passing, there is a there's a hole there and it's it's going to remain there, but he is a part of the legacy of the blues forever. Centene Community Ice Center is, is partially his. The Enterprise Center, when it gets packed and it's rocking, that, that's partially him. You know, his his number's always going to be there right next to his brother, and he's going to be watching down on the team forever. That's special, and, and that is that is the kind of legacy that very few men are able to leave on this world, but Bobby Plager was one of those special people. I also feel the residual effect of what he meant to players that grew up uh, wearing the blue note, and specifically oh, yeah. I was thinking of like a Bernie Federko, who now to me is kind of the the face of this franchise is the Hall of Famers, you know, some pass, and, and it's kind of like in baseball. I look at Ozzie Smith now with Lou and Red and, Bob gone here, man. It's been a, been a very tough year. Jim Hannafin, another one. Um, but I, I, I think about 
the impact that he made, and I, I asked Bernie about this this morning. I said, how did you not pick up on how Bobby was treating people? And by the way, Bernie is like one of the nicest people ever. So probably not a great example. He probably <laughs> would have done this on his own. But having watched him and how he interacts with the community and how many fans had had that chance to see it and then how many players throughout the years saw what Bobby did and say, you know what, that's how it's done. That, that's a class guy. That I, I need to be more like that, you know, in dealing with or patience with fans on the autographs and pictures and that kind of thing. I guarantee that has had a residual effect on many, many sports icons in this town. You can see it in the locker room. Like it, it's it's still that way today. It's not just Bernie Federko. It's not guys of yesteryear. It is still to this day. Guys are affected by him now. And that's that is a special thing. Fifty years after he played, he's still there. I got an award at the um, the MAC uh, a couple years ago, and Bobby Plager got the got an award that night too. Mm-hmm. And so this is to your point. And presenting him with that award was Barrett Jackman. Wow. And I'd be very curious if we can get Barrett on at some point today or in the next couple of days. I I can't imagine what he's going through today. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of guys, a lot of former Blues and and Blues behind the scenes people too. And Barrett Jackman got up and spoke about what Bobby had meant to him in his career. And it was very emotional. And he also talked about what he has meant to the Blues community and hockey in general. And I was thinking that that's just a recently retired player in Barrett Jackman. And here we are, you know, celebrating Bobby and what he's meant to, to this community. And to hear those words come out of a recently retired player, you realize the impact that he had made on Here's here's Bobby he hadn't played since the 70s and what a guy meant to him and what it meant to wear the blue note specifically how important it was to represent yourself your family and the community and uh, it was an amazing dynamic to see those two I can also say this having done the blues for a long time and I would I would go down to the offices early and visit Bruce Affleck and I were very close and Bruce would be there and so would be Bobby Plager all the time and there are so many people that have worked for the blues in the ticket office the marketing the front office one of the first faces you'd see when you go down to the enterprise center bob plager and those intermissions with bob plager are things that i'll I'll never forget so god rest his soul he's such a wonderful man and he is going to be truly missed here in st louis um just to kind of piggyback off of what you just said one of our texters pointed this out to us uh, 65780 by the way is the air comfort service x line if you have a bobby plager memory that you would like to share we'd love to hear those throughout the morning today um the mac actually has tweeted out the legends award at the mac's jack buck awards will now be renamed the Bob Plager Legends Award going awesome. forward in his honor. So that's a really cool thing that they're going to be able to do moving I, forward as well. I think he got the Legends Award down there a couple years ago. So Yeah, in 2019. Yeah, well done by the uh, Missouri Athletic Club. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show. It's 1023 here in St. Louis. Reed Lowe, former Blue, is coming up uh, later in our program. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac, and my partner, uh, partner for the last three games on the Cardinal games was Rick Horton. And uh, Ricky, thanks for doing this. You flew down to Jupiter, so we're going to talk a little baseball. Um, thanks for doing this, man. How was your flight? Everything good? 
All good. I've already had my morning walk, Dan, and uh, the sun is shining, and I'm in Florida, so it's all good. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. We have so many former players in various sports, alumni of the Cardinals, the Blues, the football Cardinals, the Rams. They have decided to stay in St. Louis uh, after their playing career was done. You have done that, and you represent the Cardinals organization so well because you're asked to do an awful lot in our community, whether it be with the FCA. You've been intimately involved with that for so many years. And on separate issues, go ask to speak or MC. You never say no. I've seen you great with fans. Uh, and I said, you know, that that is what Bob Plager did for the St. Louis Blues. So I know yeah. you've, you've been at many, many events like I have, oh, yeah. you know, with, with Bobby Plager and, and know him on a personal level. So before we talk a little baseball, I'm just uh, curious your thoughts of Bobby. Yeah, you know, I'm so, so, so sorry and so sad to hear about that. And, and actually, yeah, I heard that news while I was flying back and, and just, you know, there's no question what you just said about what, what he represented to uh, the Blues uh, organization, number one, but he, way beyond that. I mean, just just uh, being being at events with him, you know, he's just a great guy to be around and, and just uh, just a that's a that's just a big hole in our in our community for sure. And, you know, I think about you thinking about him when we watched the Blues uh, win the Stanley Cup and I, you and I were watching that game together. We're on the road and just you and I in a in a in a. Uh, equipment manager's room with a TV. And, and, and I know that was a special moment for you, but I also know just, uh, you were thinking a lot about, uh, about the plaguers in the holes and, and others beyond that. So I, I, I know that's uh, it's just a hard moment for Blues fans, for sure. Yeah, and Bobby always had a quip. So uh, I'm sure he had a couple of quips for you, uh, some that can't be repeated, many that can. <laughs> but that was the beauty of Bob Plager, always in a good mood. You're always in a good mood, Ricky. And I, I, I wonder about this. Um, I was saying this before you, <clears throat> you came on, and I, I had asked Bernie Federko, and he agreed with this. I said, when you watch Bob Plager, who's as popular in the community as he is and represents the organization so well as a player, if you're a current player, it's hard not to look at that and go, man, maybe that's the way I need to be when fans come around or signing an autograph or giving somebody, you know, a few minutes, because that means so much to them. You yourself may not remember it, but they'll, they're going to remember that forever. And I I just, it did resonated with me. It's just hard not to, to look at that and remember and say, boy, that's got to have a lasting impression on a lot, a lot of different people in different walks of life. And that's why you want to keep uh, guys like Bob around the, the uh, organization, because they actually have an effect on, on players that see kind of the way it should be done. If you want to say it that way, honestly, the guy that had the most effect on me personally is a guy that wasn't necessarily a frontline player, but Cardinal fans will, will remember fans of the eighties, at least will remember Tito Landrum and, and Tito always had a moment for fans. And if you're at an autograph session with him or in the club, I mean, the, the, the guy's smiling all the time. He still does. I mean, when we run into Tito at the fantasy camps or wherever that might be. Uh, and so I saw something in him and I thought, you know, he is, you know, he's representing himself. George Kissel used to say, you know, you're always representing yourself. Yeah, of course, your name on the back, but you're also representing the jersey on the front, which would, in the Cardinals case would be uh, the birds on the bat. But you're representing your family your school, your hometown, your parents, and your high school. And so you always should be remember, uh, you know, who you're representing and, and, and do that with uh, professionalism and with style. Rick Horton is our guest, a Cardinal broadcaster. And, and Ricky, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, we are now, 
I don't know if you've noticed this. We're seven days away from opening day. Yeah. Seven yeah. days. I, just, I, I was just filling out my scorebook for the game today. The Cardinals are playing. Uh, we're making the big hike uh, nine miles down <laughs> to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, which is as far as we go. There's one game against all four teams down here. And when I when I set, saw that and wrote that note for the game tonight, I thought, wait a minute. One game, I mean, we're done. I mean, it, we're going to be done. And so one pitcher, you know, every pitcher's got one more start. Uh, and so, I mean, that's it. And so it's it's time to time to rock and roll for sure. And, and it's exciting, Dan, and exciting that we're going to have fans in ballparks. That's, you know, as, as I think about it, that's probably what I'm excited about more than anything. Isn't that the truth? Ricky, I feel like the biggest question now going into opening day, it, it was at one point about a week ago, the pitching rotation and what's that going to look mm-hmm. like. And now it seems like, it's who's going to start in right field for the Cardinals on opening day. How do you look at this outfield mix with Harrison Bader now going to be sidelined for at least the next month? Yeah, it is tricky, isn't it? And, you know, honestly, uh, I, I, I want to find a way to get John Nagowski in the lineup. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's silly. Maybe, you know, I don't even know if he makes the team or not. It's not but silly. Guy at all, I want, Ricky. He, he, he's the guy I wanted to play. Let's put it that way. I mean, I just think that's, that's a fact. I think you can certainly start. You know, Tommy Edmond really hasn't been getting any reps in the outfield, so you can think about the Carpenter, you know, and, and I know they want to give him a shot at, at, at seeing if he can get his timing back, and I know that's, let's just call that a possibility, to, you know, at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, I do think, you know, Lane Thomas has had some good moments, but the guy that's playing the best right now, you know, in the last, let's say, seven days, uh, at least with the bat in his hand, is Justin Williams. So I, I think you've got some options. I don't, I don't think who plays, I would guess that whoever plays right field in game one, might not play in game two so i think you might do a matchup thing maybe a, maybe a platoon and right and, and that's a that's certainly a possibility uh but you know obviously bader's going to be the center field and you're right about the starting rotation worried about it a week ago and then wainwright leads the way and carlos follows suit and now we all feel feel good about it but you know that's the that's the joy of a baseball season you have ebbs and flows you know i i feel better about the rotation after what i saw yesterday from carlos martinez i, I thought he was pretty darn good Oh my goodness. He, he was as good uh, as we've seen him by times 10. I mean, that's not even really a fair statement because he, he was not real good his first few starts. And, you know, you always wonder, is he just kind of feeling his way and is it going to lock in? But he sure seemed to lock in at the right time. And uh, we saw the Carlos of old uh, getting uh, ground balls, throwing sinkers, commanding the zone uh, and just be, uh, pitching with a lot of focus, which is a word he uses a lot. He knows he needs to focus and he sure did yesterday. We're talking to Ricky Horton here on 101 ESPN. Ricky, you brought up my guy, John Nagowski, and I got to ask you about him because we see the numbers here in St. Louis, right? But you're, uh, you've seen it a little closer and in person. Is this real? What we're watching with John Nagowski from what you've seen, does it look real to you? Is there something fluky about the 423 batting average that he's now boasting down in spring training? Well, my first thought is he won't hit 423 this year. That that'd be uh, so. So that's not. You real. never say never, never. Ricky. You never <laughs> yeah, well, say never. Um, I'm saying never. Dan. Uh, okay. All right. I'm with you. I mean, I actually, I'm with gets, you. Now, if he gets 25 at bats, I guess that's possible. That's the but, point. <laughs> but over 400 at bats, that wouldn't happen. But 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 here's what I'd say about him is you know clearly what we're seeing is real. Here's the real things that I'm seeing. I'm I'm seeing a guy that's not overmatched by anybody. Uh, that has power, but that's not maybe even his defining characteristic. He has, he has good power. Uh, you know, he's not going to be a 40 home run guy. I don't, I wouldn't think, but I'm never going to say never because Dan told me not to. That's right. But what we also see with John Nagowski is I like his hands at first base, not necessarily quick footed around the bag, but he's, but he's nimble enough to be a good defender too. When he plays first, I mean, I know we got a first baseman, so that's, that's kind of out of the, 
out of the question right now. I don't see him as a plus outfielder, to be sure, after watching him yesterday. I mean, he's serviceable, I guess, in left field. Uh, but, boy, I, I, when he's got a bat in his hand, we've seen quality pitchers not be able to fool him. He lays off pitches. You know, he, he had an at-bat against Jury Familiar. He had a walk. And that walk, to me, was more impressive than the home run he hit earlier in, in, in the game. Because here's the, the other team's potential closer uh, throwing him a splitter that was at 90 miles an hour and he laid off, and, and that's tough to do. Rick Horton will be on the call of uh, Cardinals baseball tonight on the radio side. Blues hockey is on the air here on 101 ESPN. Kind enough to join us uh, down in Jupiter. So I guess, Ricky, the way I look at it, and I could be wrong about this, but we're still kind of figuring out the rotation, which does have an impact on maybe the final spot in the bullpen, Whitley, Woodford maybe, and we're still really uncertain about the bench. Am I reading that right as we go into the final week? Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think you'd say John Gant is going to be one of the starters, and he's earned that, and I'm comfortable with that. John Gant is... uh, you know, I've been saying this all spring. He's one of my favorite Cardinals that nobody talks about because I just think he's, you know, he he's very uh, good at kind of swinging back and forth from starter to reliever. Uh, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon is a wild card right now. I mean, when he's great, you say, "Wow, that's awesome," and and then when he's not, he has seventy pitches through three innings, and and then your bullpen gets scrambled for a few days. So that's that's the up that's the upside downside of Daniel Ponce de Leon in that other spot. Uh, so, you know, it is going to be interesting how the bullpen lines out after that. We got the news. Alex Ray is clearly not in that mix, uh, trying to limit him to 100 pitches. Uh, but uh, the bullpen will be strong. Uh, the names that you mentioned are all part of that mix. I, I think Whitley probably more than Woodford because I think they want to really stretch him out and, and make sure he's a, a starter in waiting. Uh, and, you know, certainly we used him last year, and, and I think he'd be, he'd be up, for the, you know, up for the challenge in 2021 20, uh, if we needed him. We're talking to Ricky Orton here on 101 ESPN. Ricky, I wanted to ask you about a guy that you brought up earlier in Matt Carpenter. And I want to preface this by saying I love Matt Carpenter. And Mm -hmm. he's an unbelievable player that I believe eventually should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. However, he is right now one for 33 thus far in the spring. He has 13 strikeouts this spring to go with that. What what have you seen from him in the spring that has been a problem? And does it look correctable to you? Does this look like it's something that off the bat, if they start giving him more opportunities in the regular season, it's going to get fixed in your opinion? Well, that's such a hard thing to know with any degree of certainty. Uh, let me just deal with the positives. And, and clearly, you know, it's been a rough spring for him. So, you know, I don't want to uh, overdo the positives, but you know, he was zero for two yesterday, but had two good at bats. I mean, I, I don't know what that counts for, but I mean, he hit the ball hard twice, and so you'd say, well, is that a precursor to him finding his timing? His timing's been way off. I mean, way off, way behind on fastballs. Uh, kind of not, not really seeing the ball very well. It doesn't look like out of the hand of pitchers, and kind of a little bit uh, maybe reactive and not and not you know aggressive to the ball but he was aggressive yesterday so you know did something happen did he figure something out i mean it's hard to say if if you know if i'm down at the batting cage or if i'm i'm getting a chance to chat with coaches and and players on a regular basis you'd know more about that but you really just have to kind of i don't want to say guess but you have to look at it with just you know your eyes and see what you see and you know what what i see is a guy that's been confused clearly and so you know it's not uh, it, it's not an easy road for him to figure out how to get back to the Matt Carpenter that we saw a couple of years ago when, when he had the best two months. I mean, he had, he had two months of where, where, where Danny was talking about him being the MVP of the national league yeah. after hitting 150 the first two months of the year. So does he have that in him again? 
I, I guess uh, as as I've, I've learned from my dear friend Dan McLaughlin, never say never. Never say never, Ricky. Never say never. <laughs> now you you know I'd I'd love to run a team, Ricky, and I'd probably run it into a ground. Uh, and I actually actually thought you did run the team. Well, <laughs> well, in our private conversations, you hear my thoughts. Um, and then I I think I could be a pitching coach too. Okay, and you, you you did this for a living, and you pitched in the major leagues as a closer, starter, uh, long man. You did about everything. I do know this. If I'm Mike Maddox, and one of the things I've seen out of spring training, and I know it's way harder than me just saying this, throw strikes, put yeah. the ball in play. And when I yeah. watch Wayno, you know, it's a lot of soft contact mixed in with some strikeouts. I mean, it, the guy has been unbelievable. My point is on a couple of fronts here. Wayno is the oldest player on the team. He might look the best in spring training. That's number one. And number two is that there's got to be a premium on throwing strikes this year with the kind of defense I've seen coming out of spring training. Not only not only with the defense, but the fact that you're playing 162 games and and you need as short innings as possible. And you don't want right. to even before game one, you don't want to start worrying about the the health of your bullpen. But but you, we all know how that works. And you, you've got limited bodies, you got limited people, and and you and if you've got your starters are going three or four innings and because they've thrown too many pitches, that's not a good thing. And and it, it wears out your bullpen. And the next thing you know, you've got a a 22 to 24 man staff that's that's shuttling back and, and forth from the, from the alternate site. And that's, you know, that's not the best answer. So uh, I think uh, you're, you're right. Uh, frankly, the first week and a half of spring training games that I saw down here in Florida were not very pretty as far in that regard. So many walks, about eight a game, eight or nine walks a game. And, you know, it was painful uh, to watch that. And any, any parent that sat in a lawn chair watching uh, young kids play and, and, and know, knows what a walkathon feels like and how, how rough that can be. And that's kind of what those games were like the first 10 days. But after Wayno kind of got going, I think other pitchers looked at him and that's his leadership again. And maybe Mike Maddox maybe, maybe had some heart to hearts too. If, if we got to start throwing strikes. I know Mike Schultz said that in one of his zoom calls, we, we got to start now. And, and they've been much better, much more crisply played games the last uh, 10 days to two weeks. You, you want to hear something that just, it's absolutely adorable, Ricky. Yes. Of course. Well, you know, if I ran a team, we'd be probably forty to fifty million over budget, and I would have traded half the guys. So, <laughs> well, I know, I know that for a fact. You would have signed. I mean, I, I got a long list. Oh. I keep it, you know, I, of people that you wanted to sign. I mean, we would have uh, a big payroll. Let's put it that way. But I'll tell you what, I would never trade you. Oh, you're the best. That's now adorable. that is a. That is adorable. I appreciate that. <laughs> that you know, I, I don't know about your, I don't know about your budget, but that was priceless. What you just said, Tanner and uh, BK just puked. Yeah, um, oh, so, yeah. yeah, all yeah. over. So uh, it was adorable. Uh, it, but it my just God, Dan, the love oh, fest. Get a room. Oh, I, I, I feel the love. Feel the love. All right, Ricky. We'll have you tuned in tonight. Thanks a lot for doing this, and we appreciate you. And you're always doing a great job on the games. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you bet, guys. Great to be with you. You Thank got you. it. That's Rick Horton, one of my favorite people in the world. And as we were talking about Bob Plager, I've never seen him deny an autograph, a picture, being kind to people, uh, taking the time to show him around the booth, even though he's under the gun trying to get ready for the guy. Huh. He's he's as good as they come. So I, mean, I love St. it. St. Louis is incredibly lucky, Dan. It, they Some of the many of the former athletes here are just unbelievable to the fans. Yeah. They get it. They understand it. Bob Plager is a part of that. I mean, he, he when you watch what he does, it's hard, as you said earlier, to not follow in his footsteps. Can I real quickly? Can we get back to John Nagelski for a second? Yeah, you I know, this is my there. pet project. And. 
Man, you just look at some of the numbers in spring training. It is silly what he is doing down in uh, in Jupiter. He is 14th on the Cardinals in at-bats, but he is third on the team in hits, first in walks, and he has just three strikeouts so far this spring in 26 at-bats. So when I asked Ricky, is this fluky? I mean, my answer based on just the numbers, and again, I don't get to see every game, so maybe there are some in there that are a little fluky that it's because of the wind or whatever, right? But based on those numbers, there is nothing fluky about this. The guy is just an amazing professional hitter. Yeah, all he's done is hit down there, made a case for himself, got a start in left field yesterday. Uh, I thought he got one kind of so-so jump on a ball, but everything else... He was fine. I can deal with below average left field defense if that's what it, you're getting at the plate. It's yeah. got you've got to be really good at the plate. You've got to make up for it there. But if you're giving me below league average defense and I've got Dylan Carlson and a plus defender and right, I can live with that for like three fly balls that you might not get to over a week. And the first month of the season, BK, you're going to have Carlson more than likely in center field if Thomas doesn't make this team. I would put Justin Williams potentially in right, and then you got O'Neill in left. And if if guys come out of the shoot and they're not hitting well, you know, does Tommy Eben go to the outfield? John Nagowski sitting there. There are some options, but to the point about Nagowski, he, he's done everything that has been asked to him to try to make this team. He couldn't do much more. Do they not view Ta- Tyler O'Neill as a center fielder anymore? Is that is that his era preference over? is to play left? So, and but in the Nagowski scenario. Because the only place that I would probably put him is probably in left, right? Right. You're going to put Carlson in right if if you had to play and you put O'Neal. Okay. I, I look at it as Carlson's in center, and if you were back against the wall, two guys out, then O'Neal would play center gotcha. field. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. As you mentioned, remembering uh, the late great Bobby Plager all day on 101 ESPN, taking you up until uh, Blues Hockey tonight. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And uh, great to have the chance to catch up with Reed Lowe, who, like Bobby Plager, you see him around town all over the place in charitable events and calls St. Louis home. Uh, Reed, thanks for your time today on what is a, a sad day for many Blues fans, no doubt. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it was fairly rocking. Yesterday I got... Uh, text message and there's just that kind of shocking moment you're like no that can't be true you know um death is something that you know as humans we have to deal with but um when it's close to you like this it makes it difficult and he was such an amazing person that touched so many lives in not only st louis but all of his travels and anywhere he was um you know, he, I, I was telling a story earlier uh, today about when times were tough, when I was playing back in the early 2000s, I'd be in the dressing room or I'd be the last one there, and, and he could just sense that, you know, there's something was wrong, and he would come up to me. We wouldn't talk about what I was doing right. We wouldn't talk about what I was doing wrong. We wouldn't even talk about hockey. He would come up, and he would just start poking some fun and having some fun, and the next thing you know, um, that frown on your face or that insecurity or that anxiety that you're having over what's going on was gone. And it was just this ball of happiness that you were hanging out with Bobby Clegg or telling jokes, doing that kind of thing. And he had that ability to kind of come in and just erase it all, even if it was just for a brief moment. And uh, just a really special dude. Yeah. And, and Reed, you are a tough guy. That's how you made your living. Bobby obviously was rough and tumble. So there's kind of a kinship, wasn't there, between you and Bobby? 
Well, <laughs> you know, without question, Bobby liked, uh, liked our type of player. And, you know, he's really good friends um, with Patty Gunnell, um, who was the one that scouted me in the Western Hockey League and brought me in. And, and uh, you know, I, that, every time I got in a fight, Bobby was there after the game, giving me a pat, telling me good job, talking to me about it. Or if there was a moment that, you know, I needed to see something that I didn't see out there. There was just a way that he could come across with it that just made it seem like it was the right thing to do. And um, he was a tough, tough player. And, you know, those guys that played back in those days are, uh, you know, the best players were the toughest players, right? And and uh, so he uh, he had his fair share and he wasn't scared of nobody. He'd give you a stick or a punch in the face or a slash in the back of the ankles or you better watch out coming through the neutral zone and you might find yourself upended like a tea kettle on your ass. Reed, do you remember when or how you met Bobby Plager? Um, yeah, you know, my first year in training camp, in 1997, I got to town and, you know, I had heard of Bobby Plager, obviously. And, uh, you know, he just came up and I bet you we spent 15 minutes talking and all he, he didn't even talk again. He didn't even talk about hockey to me. All he wanted to know was where I was from and telling me a story about my family and how many sisters I had, brothers I had and, what my parents were like, he was so engaged in everything else around the game. You know, we had, we, there's so much pressure and there's so much going on when you get that level. And Bobby had this way of making it, make it a little bit easier and, and just kind of setting you at ease. I, I can't even tell you how nervous I was coming to my first camp. There's Grant here, Al McKinnis, Chris Pronger, Brett Hull, you know, and then, you know, there's Bobby there to help all the young guys just uh, kind of feel like it's going to be okay. And uh, he, was, uh, he was a tough, tough man. Um, but off the ice, he was the exact opposite. Reed, one of the things that I find so fascinating about Bobby is that he, he was always there, right? I mean, he, he I said earlier, I think he was the through line for the St. Louis Blues organization from the day that it, it began here in St. Louis to where we are today. What was it like as a player to have a guy who has seen it all be there in the dressing room with you, always being around the arena, any community events that you went to, Bobby Plager was there. What was that like as a player to see a guy like that? You know, it was uh, it was inspiring. Um, first off, for me, um, just to see the love and affection that he gave every single person. There was never a moment where Bobby Plager was going to turn an autograph down, you know, turn a fan away, um, not give them that thirty seconds that they're going to go around for the next couple of weeks and tell every single person they know that this was the conversation that they had with Bobby, and and Bobby gave him some of that attention, and and he was just that. Um, I don't know in, in all of pro sports if there's somebody that spent the entire duration of their life since the inception of a certain pro, a program or team until they're passing with, with one team, 54 years. He was on the team when they got expansion draft, and he was still working for this team today. He was a general manager. He was a coach. He was a captain. He was a, a player. He was a scout. He was special assignments. Hey, one time they needed him to go down and coach uh, Peoria, what did he do? He just took the team to the Turner Cup and won a championship. Not a big deal, right? Out of the scouting mm-hmm. booth into the coaching seat in American Hockey League. Who does that, right? And you talk to Tom Tilly and Kelly Chase and those guys that were on that team when Bobby came down, and they had some talent, but he took a group of talented individuals and playmakers and, and combined them with a, a bunch of hardworking guys, and they, they built a team and they built a family, and, and that's what Bobby Plager is. He's that guy that just everybody and everything around him He's just like glue to them and he just binds it all together. And it's just a, it's an unbelievable special personality and it's just still hard to believe. How much did it rub off on you and other players seeing how he did interact with the fans and the fact that he was always there for a picture or a joke or a 
autograph, but really it wasn't just, hey, hand me the piece of paper, I'm signing it, but actually took an interest in the fans and how that rubbed off on you and maybe some of your teammates. You know, um, I'm sure that the same uh, feeling for my teammates wouldn't want to really speak for them, but for me personally, I hope that I live up to that just a little bit of what Bobby Plager did. I hope that people can someday talk about me in that same light because when I was young in this game and on this team, I would go to the charity events and I would watch him, and that's the way it was. He never turned autographs down. He never didn't give somebody that opportunity. didn't matter where they were. Um, they always, everybody felt welcome to walk up to Bobby and have a conversation with him because he was so inviting. And there were just so many people that would watch it happen time and time again. And for us to be able to see that, especially in a day and an age where, you know, the celebrity world and the NHL Players Association and the NHL are so limiting to allowing these players to be part of their fan base. That's what this was when the St. Louis Blues came to town and guys like Bobby and Barkley and that that first crop of players, they were the one that paved the road for the rest of us. You take a look at the St. Louis Blues alumni, you know, there's 45 plus of us that live in St. Louis, coach hockey in St. Louis, raise our families in St. Louis, our children go to school in St. Louis. And, you know, that road was paved because of that relationship that that first generation of players that the Bruce aspects of the world laid upon the city and a bond that was formed that's so special. I'm not sure there's any other city in the world that has the kind of bond a professional sports team and a group of, of, of uh, Samaritans in a city have like we do with the St. Louis Blues and the St. Louis fans. And it's it's something special. And, and I, I think we'd be lost to say that, you know, Bobby wasn't the main contributor to that. Um, building this relationship that we're so fortunate to have today. Reed, one of the things that has been kind of amazing to watch over the last couple of years, and, and especially during the Stanley Cup run, was I, I, that that cup was for everybody, right? It was for the fans. It was for the players. It was for the alumni. But I feel like everybody within that umbrella said, yeah, this is also for Bobby Plager, though. That's the one that I want to win this for. What was it like for you to be able to watch Bobby Plager both during that run and then hoisting the cup himself to see him finally get the cup that he waited 50 years for here in St. Louis? You know, it's uh, it, I just got shivers thinking about it. Um, the whole cup run was just an unbelievable special moment. Um, and, and, the, and the parade, you know, we always said it'll – uh, there'll never be a parade like the one the St. Louis Blues win in this town. And I can honestly say that we've never seen anything like that. It might never see anything like that again. But, you know, Bobby's infectiousness to every single generation that has come to the St. Louis Blues is there. And you guys are going to talk to guys like David Backus and, and the rest of the guys and the alumni and the guys that are in town today. And you're going to hear this. You're going to hear the same sentiment from all of us. He was Mr. Blue. No, he was the St. Louis blues. And for him to have the opportunity to see that um, and to be a part of it, um, you know, and, and, you know, the Stanley cup's really cool. And, and obviously it's the champion in the Holy grail. We always try and do, but, probably one of the most special moments I ever saw was when I was actually down on the ice and Bobby was getting his jersey retired and nobody knew this was going to happen. And they lowered our, uh, Bob, they were raising Bobby's jersey. It got about halfway up there. And then there was like a little light behind Barclays and they lowered Barclays down and then raised them up together. And again, I'm getting shivers and emotional about it. But, you know, that moment right there was probably one of the, single greatest moments I ever witnessed as a St. Louis blue, a St. Louis blues alumni and a St. Louis blues hockey fan. And um, just a special moment. And he just had that, right? Like all the moments around Bobby are special. He was playing hockey with us on the alumni team till he was 72 years old. You know what I mean? Like it's insane. And 
he had like a 12 foot stick custom made so that he didn't have to skate so far. Like the humor this man had was off the charts and he's had some dark times in his life too. And you would have never known it because he was always a guy that put everybody else in front of him to make sure that they were having a great day. And I said it on Facebook this morning. I haven't really been on Facebook a lot throughout the last several months, just because it seems to be red, blue, black, white, hate, hate, hate. Don't do this, do this. But today, when I'm scrolling this morning, it was nothing but love. Every single person on there had a picture of Bobby Pleger telling a great story, talking about it. All there was today on Facebook for anybody that's in St. Louis land was nothing but love. And man, that's the kind, that's the epitome of what this guy was. He had the ability to take and change things that weren't good into good. He had, he waved a hand today and changed the way Facebook looks. We'll probably get back to it over the next few days. Everyone will get back to hating. But for one day, Bobby Pleger changed my Facebook page, and I thank him for that because that's the kind of person he was. It's so well put. Hey, Reed, great to catch up with you. Continued success, and I'm sure we'll see you at a charity function very, very soon because you keep that spirit alive. I will do, sir. Thank you. You got it. That's Reed Lowe, uh, the former tough guy of the St. Louis Blues. We had Tony Twist on earlier. Many former Blues are are coming up on uh, the various programs uh, and and the shows leading into Blues hockey. It's a a somber day here in town, no doubt, with the passing of Bobby Plager. Yeah, today on uh, BK and Ferrario, we've got John Davidson. We've got Terry Crisp. Pat Maroon will join us coming up at noon. Terry Yake, Scotty Bowman, and Joey Vitale. We're efforting a couple others as well, so uh, keep it locked in here. A bunch of stories, a bunch of laughs, hopefully, all remembering the unbelievable life of Bobby Plager. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.